Hello, thanks for tuning in to episode 9 of the Wilkesbury Connect podcast, a series that brings you local entrepreneurs, young professionals, and students that are leaving their mark on northeastern Pennsylvania. We're your hosts, Nick Nsinga and, and Mariah Curtis. Our guests for episode 9 are Dan Kimbrough, the owner and founder of Park Multimedia, and Julia Priest, a cinema technology and media production student at Kutztown University. The Wilkesbury Connect podcast is brought to you by Pepper Jam. Headquartered in downtown Wilkesbury, Pepper Jam is a performance marketing solutions provider redefining its category through innovative technology and service expertise. For more information, check them out at pepperjam.com. So in 2008, you had started your own business, Park Multimedia. Can you tell us what your business is and what kind of services can you provide? 2007. It was 2007. Yeah. Dang, and I thought I did my Your homework. resume says 2008. I'm just letting you know. It does? Yes, it does. That's interesting. <laughs> it does. Like On your website. That's funny. All right, anyway, 2007. <laughs> what was the question? Um, <laughs> edit all that out, by the way. <laughs> no. Nope. No. Nope. As the oh, editor of the podcast. Um, <laughs> no, um, what does Park Multimedia provide to the ser- uh, to the public? Like, what kind of services can someone get from you? All right, so it's a, it's a whole gobbledygook of things right now. So our main focus at the current moment is helping people with social content. So there's marketers who are all about numbers and algorithms and doing all those things. I hate numbers. But marketers need content. And so we focus on providing content, whether it's photography, videography, audio production. We come out on a regular basis, usually once or twice a week, and we'll shoot content or record content for you, turn it around in 24 to 48 hours and get it back to you. And then that way your marketers can then use that content on social media. So it's actually branded content. It's not stock photos, stock video. It's your company, your people doing what you do every day. But that's what you get to use as opposed to paying for all the expensive Adobe stock and all the other things. Yeah, so it's more authentic to the client. Literally, and that's our, the big push right now is authenticity. Because um, I tell people, like, you can shoot it yourself. User-generated content, use your cell phone, promote your own company. Everyone knows what that looks like. Or you can pay a company to come in and make a real big commercial and it's fancy, bright lights, and it feels less authentic, though it's very professional. We're right in between. You're going to get professional quality content but it's going to be a lot more authentic than if you were paying the big bucks because it's a lot more candid and it's you actually doing what you do day to day. Do so, you have like a favorite type of client to work with? Um, Any client, really. My favorite <laughs> is really people who say that they that they don't need it because their their business is too boring. Like they're convinced that there's nothing that I could come in and shoot that would help promote their company. And I like proving them wrong because like, well, because it's one of those everyone's every company has a story. There's something that I can find in every company to be able to go through and help use that as a way of branding yourself online. And so when everyone's like, well, no, we don't have anything. We don't do anything. I'm like, well, how many employees do you have every week? You can do an employee spotlight. Mm-hmm. Like you can literally right. just write two, three hundred words on Instagram, a photo of your employee doing what they do. And that's something for if you've got 10 employees, you have at least one post for the next 10 weeks planned out already. And like, oh, I didn't think about doing that. And then you just start sort of picking their brain and you realize there's tons of things that live there, but they don't think of it that way because they're running a business. And I'm like, that's why you need a creative to come in and we can help highlight your business for you. Smart. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, so in addition to working in the creative industry, you were also a professor at Misericordia University. I was. Um, what classes did you teach oh, and what extracurricular activities were you involved in with the students? Uh, so I taught, if it moves, I taught it. So video, photo, those things, I taught how to capture them. Um, over time, I ended up teaching social media just because it fit more with what I was doing. We were a small department, so Melissa taught writing and journalism. Uh, Doug and then Rachel taught graphic design and web design, and then I handled all the video. Uh, not, not all for photography we had someone else come and do photography who was much better than i am um but i did a little stuff here and there for social media uh but then i did all the video and radio and then i ran the radio station i ran the television station i helped coordinate all of our social media i was the webmaster for the web uh for the newspaper's website so if they needed help i was the one they called but they ran it on their own uh and then when we started doing live streaming i was in charge of all the live streaming as well on top of running the multicultural department and something else i forgot oh my god so you didn't that's sleep. That's a handful. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I did not sleep. Did not sleep much. Oh my god. <laughs> um. So, what were the signs that made you realize you wanted to stop teaching? Even though, like, you were involved heavily, what was like the big? I don't know if you'd want to call it a deal breaker that finally just like. The straw that broke the yeah. camel's back. Um, I won't go with that. I won't go that route. <laughs> um, well, there was a lot of things that were going on. The big thing for me was that the industry changes really fast and academia moves really slow. And for me, it was causing a lot of friction in that there were things that I wanted to do within the department and be teaching the students, but getting it approved would take a, literally a year cycle. Wow. And a year in our industry... Oh my God, it's, already, it's already old. Exactly. And so right. that's one of the big problems that I was running into. Like when we started doing live streaming... I got them to finally agree to do the live streaming and get it paid for. But then when it came to the events to live stream, it still was a push of, no, no, no. Like we can live stream anything now. Like it doesn't have to be a formal thing. Right. Move in day, live streaming. Well, but who's going to watch it? People it's watch live. cat yeah. videos, man. Like, yeah. oh <laughs> like that, and I think that's one of the things when it comes to content, people are like, oh, but who's going to pay attention? YouTube was built on cat videos. Yeah. Never assume people won't pay attention. There's an audience there for it. And so that was one of the things that I was running into. But then I didn't sleep either. Like I was on campus. I only taught Tuesday, Thursday, but I was on campus every day of the week. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I had to run the TV station, and the radio station and fix. I was semi-equipment manager as well. And sort of whatever we needed done tech-wise, I was in charge of. Because our photo person was a, was an adjunct. So if there were photo issues, I had to help with those. We had a part-time person who ran the equipment lab. But between all of it, I was putting in 60 to 90 hour weeks in. Wow. Oh yeah. God. And so that on top of having my own business, wanting to do other things, I just didn't have time anymore. So it was like, well, I've been doing this for 10 years. The industry is moving in ways that I'm going to get behind on eventually. So I'm not going to be able to teach students. So I'm going to take a step back and start running my company. And if it doesn't work out, like I taught for 10 years, I can find some place to teach if I need to. So absolutely. Yeah. There's always a job in teaching. Yeah. Um, so in your, so in your blog titled, so I quit my job. <laughs> while we're on the subject. <laughs> while we're on that subject. Um, so you said, and I quote, where I grew up getting to 18 alive and without a record was the real milestone. Right. 20 years later, I got a master's and am nine years into teaching at university. Life can be funny. Um, that is a very powerful statement. Not knowing what you know now, where did 18-year-old Dan believe his life was headed? Oh, Lord. 18-year-old <laughs> Dan. 18-year-old Dan had just luckily not been arrested for not breaking into his mom's company. And oh. so, like, somebody else, like, the day before graduation, uh, we had a, we had to take a step back. We had a self-paced math program that meant you took math tests when you wanted to. 
Yeah, what? dumbest Who thing in the <laughs> So no one was over there. <laughs> right. So I knew math really well. So like the day before graduation, I took two and a half credits worth of math to graduate on time. And I just didn't want to go to class. You said I could take a test when I wanted to. Right. So I'm not going to class today. Right. So the day before graduation, my mom's pissed that I have to go to school because I've got to take all these math tests. And if I don't finish by like 2.30, I don't graduate the next day. So I go to pick her up from work and we're in the car and we get pulled over by the cops in an empty parking lot and they, they pull their guns and they're like, sir, you need to step out. And I'm like, what in the hell? I'm almost, what did you do? What do you mean what I do? I just, I literally, I came here and I picked you up. Someone had been stalking <clears throat> around the building and had broken in who had on a blue sweater. Well, I had on a blue sweater. Oh. Even oh. though the cops saw me drive in and just wait in front of the building, but I had on a blue sweater. So like, that's the mentality of 18 year old Dan, like growing up in a large city, like things that are happening today in the world with African-Americans and communities, like that's what I grew up with. So like at 18, I was going to college. Uh, I was happy to be getting out of the hometown that I was in because of the fact that like, that was just what life was. And so turning 18 was like, wow, like I'm not a statistic. I'm not in prison. I'm not dead. Right. Like awesome. So I had no clue what was coming next. Like I wanted to go, I originally wanted to be a psychologist uh, so I could go back and help kids in the inner city. And that was sort of the original goal. So I could have a psych degree, uh, but I was going to do psychiatry. And then I took like college level chemistry and was like, nah, no, not I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'll figure something else out. So, but that, that's where, that's where 18 year old Dan's head was at. So. Oh and God. where were you from? Like, where did you go? Uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, and everyone here's in Indiana. Like, can't be that bad. <laughs> I was thinking Chicago. <laughs> yeah. I really so Chicago. the funny thing about Indiana, Fort Wayne specifically, is that if you leave Chicago, when you come west, uh, come, uh, coming east, you run through Fort Wayne. Okay. Because you can either go north uh, and end up through Detroit, or you end up coming through Fort Wayne on 80 if, if you're heading towards Cleveland. So a long time ago, like Chicago had drugs, Detroit had drugs, Cleveland had drugs. Where would you hide? Well, you're not going to hide right. in one of those cities. Right. So northern Indiana had a lot of drugs and other things that were running through it because that was where you would hide. So like fast forward to today, like Fort Wayne, I love my hometown. Like, don't get me wrong. I love it. But like at one point, like we were in like the top 20 for like murder capitals per year, like all these things. Wow. Like it was a lot of things that were going on. So like, again, it's a great city. I don't even a bad rap. But growing up there in the uh, 80s and 90s was a little crazy. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thanks that does sound sharing. intense. Mm -hmm. It does sound intense. You get used to it. <laughs> I guess, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so as a professor at Misericordia, you had the opportunity to chaperone eight spring break habitat trips. So working with the students to build houses for those in need, what did you learn from this amazing experience? Um, I think the big thing I learned is that we undervalue youth in this country. Um, like, a lot of times, like people were so happy that there were these college students that were coming on these trips and building these houses, and they were shocked at, like, students cared right but like working with these kids year round to get to the point of the trip like they went because they wanted to like the trip wasn't free they had to raise money and do all these things to go on these trips and then when we they got there they weren't staying in lavish places like we were staying essentially in like cabins that didn't have electricity sometimes or like wow. they <clears throat> they did but they were staying in bunk beds and we had to cook for ourselves and do all these things and then go and build someone's house all day and so they wanted to be there. It wasn't like this was their free spring break weekend or whatever. And so <clears throat> I think a lot of people don't give students and the youth credit for actually caring. Like it's easy to say, oh, well, millennials this and millennials that and they don't care. And they're avocado toast. I was just going to say <laughs> yeah. avocado toast. <laughs> right? I swear. Like, whatever the whatever the joke they're making is nowadays. Right. But like 
it's at one of those things that no students do care. Like they are inheriting this planet in this world. And like, they see the problems that exist and they're trying to do things. And so like, I think as folks that are older, we have to stop discrediting them and realize that if they want to help, let them help. Like, yes, there are those who go on trips just to take the Instagram photo with a Brown kid in Africa. Like yeah. I get it. Like there's that student, but that doesn't mean you need to discredit every student mm-hmm. that's going on a trip because that's not everybody. So I think that was the big takeaway that I got. So if you had to take one moment that stood above all the rest during your career as a professor, uh-uh. what would that moment be? Um, I think the biggest thing is when students would call or email me and apologize. <laughs> apologize for what? <laughs> for telling me they didn't need to learn something. And then in the real world, oh. they'd be like, Dan, Leuk, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'd be like, I told you. And not like a mean I told you, but... We do like the way Ms. Recordia's department. I know you both didn't go to Ms. Um, <laughs> but I think Ms. Recordia's communications department is one of the best in how they structure it. Like you have to learn a little bit of everything. And so often students who were dead set on writing or dead set on radio or graphics or whatever, like, why well, do I have to learn video? And I'm like, it's the future. I'm like, hands down, if you can't at least spot a bad video you're not going to be good in your job. And like the amount of people who I work with or like college, like students, former students or colleagues who have Mm -hmm. to do video or have to do radio or are now into podcasting or something that wasn't their goal. They're like, yo, I didn't, I didn't get it. Like I didn't realize you guys were right. And so for me, and not that again, not that it's a negative, that's a happy thing, but that we were right as a university, like we're actually teaching things that right. you needed to learn as opposed to, oh, well, I took the stupid video class and I'm never going to use it again. Mm-hmm. Eh, wait five years. All right. <laughs> right. It's going to come back to bite you. Yep. Yeah. You're going to wish you paid more attention. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Um, for our listeners who don't know, Dan actually runs the Wilkesbury Connect podcast. He does everything from audio and mic setup to editing and posting the show onto all of our favorite podcast platforms. So, Dan, what's your favorite thing about doing podcasting? Um, that it's a throwback to radio. My original, when I first started in college, I was actually in radio. And the, I got into video by a literal clerical error. Um, <laughs> when I went to grad what does school. does that mean, clerical <laughs> error? <laughs> So screwed up in the computer? Quite literally. (laughs) So when I was an undergrad, I ran the radio station for two and a half years. I I did all radio. I had I did one video practicum where I ran the equipment checkout. And I had two video courses. So when I applied to grad school, I applied for an audio graduate assistantship. Well, the kid who applied for the video graduate assistantship somehow lines got crossed. Oh. So I had to take over the video because I was like, well, I got into grad school. I'm not going to argue with it. I'll figure it out. Right. So like the day before class, like I learned how to run the TV studio because I had never run one. Like I had done it for an internship, but like I had no clue what I was doing. Oh my gosh. Because I started in radio. And so I love podcasting because it's a throwback to that. Like it's what I originally started in. Like I love audio. I love telling stories through audio and how you have to be a lot more creative and sort of how you come up with the things and when you're describing things and like you get to hear people's voice without seeing them Mm -hmm. so you get to really sort of lock in on their emotion and feeling and that's where i started so like it's really cool to see that that format changed but it never went away yeah and so that's what i really love about it plus just hearing people's stories like when you guys are interviewing folks they're people that sometimes i've never met and so like when helen was in blew my mind right mm-hmm. but like it's just a conversation and we don't have conversations that are not superficial on a regular basis and so because of that i think podcasting is awesome because like you just get to sit and talk to people absolutely it's just yeah. an excuse 
Yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so I guess that was your favorite thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I feel like we went off a little bit and then came back in. But... Yeah, I'm never going to say that. <laughs> Do you have a favorite podcast you'd recommend other people to listen to? Um, Right now, I'm big into the ground up. Uh, it's a podcast. Uh, I forgot his. I forgot his name. Um, but he did the documentary The Minimalist. Um, oh, okay. You've seen it. Yes, and, and I have I'm, seen it. I'm very big on decluttering. Like I used to live out of my car for a long time because I chose to. Um, like I just don't Probably own. Because you just were mm-hmm. teaching. Right. <laughs> These long days. It's like, what am I gonna do? Go take a no. nap in the car and come right back. <laughs> Funny thing is, the ten years before teaching, I traveled the country. Like I had ten addresses in ten years before I got to Miss Oh wow! So like I literally like I just traveled a lot. Wow! And I loved being on the road. And so like the whole idea of minimalism. Like I went back and watched the documentary, and I was like, "That was my life." Like, what do you mean this is a movement now? Like, I just didn't own things because I couldn't put it in my car, so I couldn't keep it. Wow. And he has a podcast called The Ground Up, where he talks with creatives and folks in the video industry about how they started, like from the ground up, and like just hearing other filmmakers and creatives talk about, like, yeah, there was that point in time where like ramen for a year and a half was what I ate. Yeah. And then like eventually through networking and doing this and doing that, I finally got to where I am now. And I think it's awesome because like it's a very similar story for all of them, but it's repeated differently because they're each individuals. But it's great as a creative to be like, yeah, you quit your job teaching where you had a regular salary and all these things and like times are lean, but people have done this. So that there is a way out of this. And so and that's one of my favorite podcasts right now. All right. Why are you traveling the country or the uh, states? Just because, or so I'm a no bad by nature. Yeah. Um, I get bored real fast. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like when I got out of grad school, where did I go? I spent my summers working with John Hopkins summer camp. So one year summer was Baltimore, one was California, and the last two were in Rhode Island over the summer. Awesome. And then when I left, where did I go after my after grad school? Went to Syracuse to be a resident hall director and then decided I want to get back into video and left Syracuse to move back to Michigan to work at a TV station there. Eventually got fired. Um, They're lost. (laughs) It was probably for the best. Um, And then I bartended and worked as a third shift crisis counselor for a couple of months. Then I moved to Seattle, then back to Michigan. I feel like there was some place in between. Seattle. Yeah, so I, mean, I want to go everywhere almost. And that, well, that's the, and like I've got family all over the country. I've got friends everywhere. So like there'd be times where I would just go couch surfing. Like, hey, what are that's you guys doing? Best. Nothing. All right, I'm gonna come stay for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would go do. And so, um, but like I just I like to be in motion. I like to travel. I like to move around and be different places. And so um, that's the other thing of teaching. Like I did it for ten years. And that was the longest job I'd ever had. And it just, after a while, like after year four, I was ready to quit teaching. And really? so like, it, and not because it was bad. I just Two to four years was usually my maximum. Mm-hmm. and But I stuck on with teaching. I got a son, so I'm not leaving the area anytime soon. And so right. like, I just sort of had to figure out, all right, if I'm not going anywhere, a change needs to happen because that's just sort of how I am. And so going back into the industry was the big change for me. So, Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what advice do you give others that are on the fence about starting a podcast? Uh, back to podcasting here. About <laughs> starting a podcast? Um, just do it. Like just find something and 
and start talking to people. I think I think the biggest problem is it's one problem that I have because everyone keeps going, "When am I getting my own podcast?" It's finding a topic. Like I always, I, and it's funny that I tell people when I don't listen to it, don't start with a topic. Take just get two microphones and start talking to people, mm-hmm. and record it and listen to it. And if you don't like it, all right, don't use it. But start the process of recording and figuring it out, and eventually something will stick. And that's what you're going to sort of run with. My problem is that I record so many podcasts. I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't really need one yet. But right. for those who are trying to start one, like just start interviewing people and figure out what your interviewing style is and what you want to talk about and what you can get people to talk about and get used to researching and those things and just practice. And if the first 10 you record are horrible, that's great. Publish them anyway. Like at 20, when things are better, You'll go back and listen to the first one and go, well, at least I started it. And yeah. then when you're 50 podcasts in, folks will be able to hear that entire process of how you grew in the long run. So, yeah. That's really cool. So then do you have any um, recommendations for people doing podcasts, what they should be doing differently, just based on your observation of recording so many? Um, I think it always comes down to research. Like you have to know, you have to know the, que- the answers you want from your guest before you ask them. Um, like I was talking with Joe the other day and he complimented your guys' podcast. He said that like he listens to other podcasts mm-hmm. and you can tell the lack of prep work mm-hmm. because someone will say something and then the next question has nothing to do with what the answer was because they're not paying attention. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to podcasting. <laughs> right. Um, well, no, but like, and again, like we were talking about podcasting. Yeah. I can't stay on topic. That's my fault. Um, no, that's but like, perfectly fine. But that, that's what he'll hear often is that people have like 20 questions questions and the podcast is just those 20 questions regardless of the answers and also that they don't they're not asking questions that have any depth to them Mm -hmm. and so that like it's like i always say never ask a band how'd you name where the name of your band come from that's a google question it's not a question you ask people that actually gave you their time and i think that's the one thing is that people need to realize if i can google the answers to the questions on your podcast that's not a podcast it's a waste of time like people need to be able to listen to your podcast and learn something new because your question took the guest down a road that eventually led to new information. And that you don't need equipment for. Like that's just practicing asking questions. That's true though. Yeah. I've learned so much in the last nine episodes. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, like seriously. being for real. <laughs> yeah. Like seriously, even with just the stalking tactics. Too, right. Oh my God. Information. <laughs> Well, you know, it's crazy what you can find. It you really call it is. stalking, but like that's what journalism. Do. That's what journalists do. Like maybe I missed my calling. Maybe I should be a U-turn. No, I'm. <laughs> I have one more semester left, so we're getting through this. <laughs> oh my god! So Dan, being a storyteller, what is the best tip for someone struggling to take their idea forward? Oh, that's a good one. Um, best tip is to drown out all the outside noise. Like if you've got an idea and you want to go after it, just go after it. Like everyone at some point in time is going to tell you, no, it's a bad idea or no, you shouldn't do it or you don't have enough money or you don't have the resources or you don't, you don't, you don't just drown it all out and do it. And if it doesn't work, what are you out? It's true. Just pick up and start back where you left off. Literally. Or just move like I used to do. (laughs) (laughs) Pack up and move town. Forget you and then move to the next state over. I may have done that once or twice. (laughs) You know, but like. And like I don't want to. There's tons of people who say this all the time. Like we're all young at the end of the day. Like no matter where you are, like starting over is not that hard to do in the long run. Like yeah, like trust me, it sucks financially sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but like oh, yeah. you get over those things, and like what are you're just out of your time. 
And like um, the, my department chair, Ms. Ricordia, uh, Melissa Scor used to always say, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Very true. And like I get to sit and record pod- podcast. I'm out on photo shoots at the time. I'm shooting video. Like Getting free food. <laughs> yeah. I see those photos. <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of free food. Um, perks of the job. But like that's the thing. And like, and like I get to meet new people on a regular basis. And so, like, I get bored easy. Like, not that I don't have friends for a long time, but, like, I like meeting new people. Mm-hmm. Like, having fresh conversations and actually learning about individuals, which is why I like storytelling and working in media. So, like, I get to travel and meet new people all the time. And I may never meet these people again. So, the questions of the, the surface questions are out the door. Like, if I'm going to get to meet someone and I only get to see them for 30 minutes while I'm taking photos, I'm going to have a real conversation with them. Because I'm never going to see that person again. And why waste that opportunity? Right. And so like that's for me, like that's what I love about storytelling is like you get to know people at a much deeper level. And again, we don't have those conversations on a regular basis. And I completely forgot the question. So I'm gonna stop now. <laughs> well, I think you answered it. You uh, also just took it on the scenic route. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know. So um in closing, what is next for Dan Kimbrough and Park Multimedia. Ah, uh, man, I have no clue. Uh, we work in an industry where what's next is impossible to figure out. If you had told me a year ago when I left Misericordia that I'd be running a podcast studio on a regular basis, I'd have laughed at you. Yeah. And like, because this was just, I happened to hear Joe asking about podcasting and trying to figure stuff out, and I chimed in. And so, like, I run a, like, in my, my original thing was always video production. Once I finally got into video, I take more photos and do more podcasts now than I've ever done before. And so the future, I have no clue. I really don't. I know I'll be in media and I know I'll be telling stories, but outside of that, the how, I'll figure it out when it comes along. Hey, that's the exciting part of it. Yeah, it is. It is. is, So That's awesome. And you could pick up and go wherever the heck you want with this. In about 10 years. (laughs) Yeah. All right. 10 years. Well, thanks, Dan, again for yeah, it was awesome uh, talking to you, hanging out with us, and being on the other side of the mic. Yeah, it's a little weird, <laughs> but anytime. <laughs>so what made you want to pursue an internship with Park Multimedia? Um, that is a good question. Um, is <laughs> to be honest, um, I thought of park multimedia because i looked over their website um my mom shot me the website and like oh hey do you want to check this guy out it's like oh sure um and i checked over his repertoire and um i thought it was like you know this looks really professional i thought like "Mm, that's nice and (laughs) it wasn't until um after i applied for an internship that i just so happened to learn that uh he taught at misericordia so uh with dan like number one he's a teacher so he can take my infinitesimal amount of or not infinitesimal infinite (laughs) number of questions that i would propose like oh hey what's this cable for again (laughs) right Or or like what's a snake or something or um that and it's just he's he's local so i won't have to drive all the way to philly to work oh my gosh you were so looking at just, places in philly for an internship huh you were looking at places in philly for if an internship. i didn't get dan i would have to oh my gosh <laughs> yeah that so would have been I, insane drive. i appreciate him and everything that he does yes um and yeah he's just after meeting him it's just like okay this guy is obviously somebody that i could see myself working with later on in life so All right.
and that plays into part with what you're going to school for yeah with um uh like with cinema and technology production they apparently added a p <laughs> last i checked so with that it kind of like covers all the bases and with the education that i'm currently getting i had this one professor uh bearish he sadly um had medical reasons and retired um he's still okay though and <laughs> he um gave me this advice School doesn't really teach you what specifically you need to know, but it's more of how to ask the right questions. And um, some people will say, oh, there's never such a thing as a stupid question. Sometimes there is. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, just a question of like, oh, hey, should I have the camera like all the way back here? I'm like, no. (laughs) Or something like that. But yeah, uh, with Kutztown, and uh dan i just i learned so much within two years and it's just it's getting that hands-on experience and it just i really yeah it's definitely what a lot of students need is to get out there and get more experience and more knowledge to help them with their further learning um so what kind of tasks could one expect um a video uh, production intern to do on a daily basis um I would say that very much depends on who you're interning with um, and what they plan on having you to do. Um, Sometimes it would just be editing a podcast episode um, and going through and silencing the parts that are mute or however, (laughs) Um, or either uh, just compiling the clips that um, that, um, the person that you're interning with had shot and compile together a video um, so that they could release it to social media and be credited with um, editing. And one thing that they don't tell you is that if you do intern work, they credit you. <laughs> and if they don't, I don't know what to say. <laughs> but um, there's also, uh, with Dan, I actually got to produce my own podcast, um, The Hot Zone. That's awesome. Um, it's currently not out yet, but um, I'm planning for it to be out soon and um it's a bit it's basically just it sends you through like everything that you need to do and like you could say oh i produced a podcast rather than just say oh i worked on it it's right like, it, you have that producer handle now and it's yeah, just you the, got the whole that whole from like start to beginning you got to record it you got to be yeah. on it you got to uh, y- you edit had to, it all together and produce it, yeah. You had to set, set the mixer up right. You had to make sure your levels were good. You had to email everybody. You had to um, schedule around. And it's just like it's soft skills and like a whole bunch of hard, er, hard skills at the same time. I think I'm using the right terminology. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But you're utilizing all that you learned in school and putting it to use. Not every single thing, but just... If you feel like there's something that, like, oh, maybe this isn't really all too important, it probably is. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you can just, like, memorize an entire book. Just if you have a question and it's something that might seem minor or something, um, don't be afraid to ask, too, with internships. And um, that's what you're there to do, is to learn um, through experience. And I think with that um yeah i don't know (laughs) so then what was your biggest takeaway from your whole um internship this past summer i think the biggest takeaway that i could um remember from 
my internship was uh, with uh, Joy Boylan. And uh, he said to me, I think it was during a podcast that I actually recorded. Hey, I'm self-promoting myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I asked him, like, what advice would you give for young people looking to intern? And he said to me, don't find your first boss, find your first mentor. I, I believe it's something along those lines. Um, but just instead of looking for a place where like, oh, like if I get, if I go to this internship, I get a whole bunch of notoriety or, oh, if I go to this one, I get paid. It's all a matter of finding the best internship for you individually in the sense that, well, yes, it would be nice to get paid. You're still learning very valuable lessons while, excuse me, <laughs> had, had a little boop. <laughs> <laughs> but um, just the lessons that you learn, even if you don't get paid monetarily, they are more valuable than a hundred bucks, I oh, would absolutely. say. Oh, so, absolutely. And especially like, they probably don't pay you enough anyway. <laughs> And still, that internship's going to look good on your resume when you um, go absolutely. to apply for your final job or the oh, beginning yes. of your new career. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Internships are definitely important in this new day and age where um, people want you to work for free. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. All right. Well, is there any um, like last-minute advice you'd like to give other students when it comes to pursuing um, an internship, like what steps they should go about or how they should pick out their first in internship? Um, I think I'm taking so many quotes from so many other people, but I think there's this one woman, um, Helen Farvaro, or Favaro. Um, she was in for another podcast um, I think it was for your podcast. I, I do believe you're talking about Helen Lavelle. Helen Lavelle. Okay. Lavelle Strategy me. Group. Okay. Excuse me. <laughs> but she essentially said, stay out of your own way. And I think I just, I let that fester in my mind because um, I was in the background uh, uh, doing photography for that episode. And I just let that sit overnight. Just like, yeah, like. If I hadn't emailed out to Dan and said, hey, I heard you're putting out for internships, um, I wouldn't be here right now. I really wouldn't. And also with internships, just because they aren't saying that they don't want internships doesn't mean they don't want them. So like if you see like a business in your area that even though it doesn't have a listing for an internship... You could just email them and say, hey, I'm interested in interning. Will you take me? It's just like... Right. Speak that up opens... so they know that you're interested. Yeah. And that also like... Even just get like a little refresher on like their business. Like say they're with social media. Um, look up their Twitter or their Tumblr or... Well, Tumblr's dead. So. <laughs> <laughs> After the purge. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Purge. That sounds pretty... Uh, I, I know. Risque. It was awful. <laughs> what do you mean risk? <laughs> uh, it was literally just all the Tumblr accounts gone. <laughs> but um, yeah, just stay out of your own way. And in the sense, if you think that, or, let me put it this way, thinking of the worst case scenario will make it so much better for what actually happens. 
because it's rare that like the worst case scenario will happen and like you know like right stay it makes, optimistic yeah in the sense yeah like keep keep the what could happen in mind but just be hopeful and be direct i guess all right well those yeah. are some good uh good words to remember and Thank i think you. that's perfect advice for um prospective students looking for their internship mm -hmm. um so julia thank you very much for stopping by the think center and chatting with us thank you so much the wilkes Bear connect podcast is brought to you by pepper jam headquartered in downtown wilkes Bear. pepper jam is a performance marketing solutions provider redefining its category through innovative technology and service expertise for more information, check them out at pepperjam.com. Well, that does it for episode nine of the wilkes Bear Connect podcast. We want to thank Dan and Julia for joining us today. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Pepper Jam, for allowing us to share with you this podcast. Please make sure you tune in next time for episode 10. We're your hosts, Mariah Curtis. And Nick and Singa. And, and thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening to the wilkes Bear Connect, Connect podcast. podcast.